Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Lucy in the Sky. Lucy. Time to wrap it up. Just a few more minutes. I saw my house from space. Not literally, but my life. Yep, there it is. Uh, excuse me? <laughs> Major Goodwin has a theory that he can tell who's walked in space just by looking at it. It is more than a theory. You keep your eye on this one. She'll show you how it's done. I'm so proud of you. Love you to the moon and back. You know Michael Collins? Of course, uh, Apollo 11 uh, flew the command module for Neil and Buzz. So you know that after he dropped them, he circled the moon for hours. Inside the module, he wrote, I am now truly alone and absolutely alone from any known life. I am it. Huh? I'm it. I need to get back up there. You're not getting any younger. So you're just gonna have to work harder. Look at you, straight arrow. You've never done a thing wrong in your life. I've done plenty of things wrong. Really? Hit me. Dr. Plimpton said you skipped your last three sessions. I'm giving everything to this program, to the mission. Kills me to say it, but our girl's been pretty inconsistent recently. Cola aboard. Negative. I can finish. Cola. She's tough cookie. Get the latch off. Not everyone can handle the ride. I'm pulling you out of the running for a riot. No. If I were a man, you would... Excuse me? I know what you're doing, but you're gonna lose because I'm a winner. This is not a drill, cadet. Grab your stuff. What are you doing? With her, I'm officially beginning to worry. You're acting so strange. I'm good. All systems go. What's it like up there? Only place where anything makes sense. I hear that. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Lucy in the Sky, and the story is as follows. After an awe-inspiring experience in outer space, an astronaut returns to Earth and starts to lose touch with reality in a world that now seems too small. The film is starring Natalie Portman, John Hamm, Zazie Beetz, Dan Stevens, Coleman Domingo, and Ellen Burstyn. It is written and directed by Noah Hawley, co-written by Brian C. Brown and Elliot DiGiuseppe. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And also joining us as a guest here on the podcast from awardcircuit.com, Audrey Fox. Hello. 
Hello. Hello. Nice to have you on, Audrey. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You're all down the earth, feeling <laughs> grounded, not caught up in the sky. <laughs> it was a journey, but I think I'm <laughs> It was definitely a journey, this movie. A weird, strange trip indeed. I knew heading in, based on the reactions from Toronto, that Lucy in the Sky was definitely um, an underwhelming movie. Got quite the negative reaction from people. And, you know, I still went into this with a feeling of, if anything, hopefully it's interesting to discuss. Natalie Portman is terrific. I'll see her in pretty much anything. Noah Hawley, love Legion, love Fargo. This is his directorial debut. Very, very interested to check it out, regardless of the reviews. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, indeed. (laughs) But, Audrey, you're the guest here. Um, This is your first time on the show. Uh, We usually like to hear from our guests first to get us started. Uh, Just initial thoughts. What do you think of Lucy in the Sky? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I went through a roller coaster um, before the movie even started, because at first I was like, okay, another like super emotional space movie. I don't know if I need this in my life. But then I saw the cast and I was like, this is an incredible cast, like Natalie Portman, John Hamm, Dan Stevens, Ellen Burstyn. I will see them in anything. Um, And then I watched the movie and I was honestly like into it for a while. And then... Things really went off the rails really, really quickly. And it almost feels like two completely different movies. And I'm on board with the first one and maybe not so much the second um, is my general take. I'm pretty much in agreement with you on that because there is a point in this movie where, yeah, it was rocky and yeah, it was weird stylistically, but I was kind of digging it throughout. And then the movie just kind of takes a turn There was one line of dialogue, just one, and the minute it was said, the the character's downward spiral just rapidly accelerated into a frenzy of a third act that very much veered into laughable territory for me. Um, so I I think I think you and I are pretty aligned on that front. Josh, what about you? Uh, do you share similar thoughts about Lucy in the Sky? Oh, <laughs> this is a weird movie, I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> well, I, oh, wait, and just for the record, too, I want people to understand when we say weird, like this is not some David Lynchian, like, you know, weird shit. <laughs> this is just like, this is like William Hurt in A History of Violence just yelling to his henchmen, how do you fuck <laughs> this up? <laughs> yeah, it. for me, what I was struck by while watching this movie is that it felt like this movie was trying to invent very creative ways to tell a relatively simple story. Right. (laughs) And I found it really bizarre that the movie wanted to do that. And what I actually find interesting though, is I'm kind of at the opposite ends of where you two are, where I was actually very much struggling with the first section of this movie where Hmm. it just seemed like it was trying so hard to have these very stylish, stylish techniques that really weren't working for me that much. It felt very pretentious and didn't really add that much to the story for me. But I actually felt like the ending where I agree with you, it does kind of go off the rails, but it sort of felt like that was when the techniques of the filmmaking were finally sort of working in tandem with the storytelling for me. 
And so I actually kind of dug the way that it went crazy at the end and struggled with the beginning of it. But I think at the end of it, I still feel like this is a very oddly put together film that really doesn't work as a whole. And for that, it's sort of fascinating to watch as a failure, but it really is not a successful movie in the slightest. And of course, when we're talking about these stylistic choices, we're obviously referring to the switching aspect ratios that Noah Hawley uses throughout the movie. And I thought they were they were definitely a choice. Okay. They That's were. first and foremost. <laughs> but mostly because I couldn't remember or really I don't think ever seeing aspect ratios be played with in this way before in a movie. I've seen switching aspect ratios and Transformers, Dark Knight, a couple other movies. Grand Budapest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But to see it done in this way where, like, you actively see them move into place, for example, I was like, okay, like, it's it's definitely a choice, I'm not sure if I would do something this apparent and overt, but I'm kind of digging it, you know, because it is just something unique. Uh, I didn't like that at all. I actually hated the aspect ratio changes and mostly because I really didn't feel like they were motivated at all or had any kind of real consistency in terms of why they were happening. And I just found that to be very frustrating watching the movie that they would happen. And it's like, okay, but I don't understand your sort of language as to why these would be happening and eventually just became very annoying to me. You're looking for logic and chaos. This yeah. movie is chaos. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just like a frenzied mess that has no... Yeah. Well, the purpose of an aspect ratio, right, is to uh, project a subconscious feeling onto the viewer. We see this happen all the time uh, where, for example... The four by three box, you know, aspect ratio where black bars on the sides of the screen. A lot of filmmakers will say that that's really to kind of give off a feeling of claustrophobia or to hone in on a character's like psyche or whatever the case may be. There's so many different ways you, that one can look at it, right? So I definitely personally like tried to understand that when the aspect ratios uh, changed in this movie, I was trying to read into what they might have been psychologically saying about the character. I will admit at a certain point, I just I just had to throw my hands up in the air to your point, Audrey, and just give up and realize it was all just chaos. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is chaos. And I, I was with you, Matt, that the idea of watching the movie and seeing those changes happen, I was trying to pay attention to that and see, okay, where is her psychological state at? But at a certain point, it just felt like, it was doing it almost arbitrarily and I couldn't find the consistency within it. And that was just so frustrating to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing that was extremely frustrating to me, I was, I was dreading it. I was dreading it. Everyone. I can't tell you how much I was dreading it. And sure enough, there was a point in the movie where the Beatles came on and Lucy in the sky with diamonds played and I nearly died. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was hoping they would not do it. <laughs> and they did. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, Noah, I, I don't understand. This is like a great example of a television director who makes the jump from TV to film. And I guess what, because these are all stylistic choices, might I add. A lot of the camera angles, a lot of the way this film is shot, edited, it screams television directing to me at times. Like I felt like there was things that 
I would see in an episode of Legion, for example. All right. And like these all like these um, uh, song choices as well were things that, you know, in a television setting, I, I don't think I'd be complaining as much because the strength of the writing and the, you know, character journeys uh, that we've seen along a multitude of different episodes and such, there would just be enough emotional attachment for me to like overcome um, such choices. But here, I do not believe for a single second that the writing was ever strong enough to allow me to get there because also too lucy herself is a very very hard character i believe to sympathize with yeah intentionally so i think she is written as a character that is very much you know she's in it to win it she's very much down the line of this is what i want out of life and this is what i need and especially with her mental state being what it is um i just also felt like so much of the choices going into this movie felt like they were from a filmmaker trying to prove something that it's almost like, mm. I don't know. It almost felt like this movie was embarrassed that it had a story that was relatively simple. And that's the thing I keep coming back to when I think about this movie is it's not like a complicated story. It's a woman who went to space and now her life feels small and she's got anxiety about that. Like it's, there's a way to tell that story without doing all the bells and whistles to it and still have a really engaging character study. But I feel like this movie isn't interested in that. It wants to do all these very flashy things to signal her mental state with, you know, all these crazy images that it has when that just feels like it's too much. You don't need it for this story. And they didn't focus on the right thing for me. Yeah. I feel like they were a little bit hamstrung by the fact that they were trying to base it on the true story of the real astronaut and the diapers and we all know, but um, I feel like yeah. the story that he maybe wanted to tell was something not so, uh, I don't know, frenetic and crazy. And um, so he's kind of caught in between. And because I, I was really drawn to the parts um, about somebody who's been in space, a woman who's been in space, and there's so few people who can relate to her now. And she's Mm -hmm. really like, that's so interesting to me. But then I kind of got frustrated because it's like, oh, well, the woman's too emotional to like cope with these experiences that she's been through. Audrey, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That is the line in the movie. That was it. When he calls her emotional, it, it was like a tipping point all of a sudden. And I just hated the fact that the screenplay took what was a very, very interesting concept, right? This idea of big versus small, seeing the world differently from this perspective. How does one emotionally deal with that? And it just chalked it up to, oh, you're a woman and you can't control your emotions. And I was like, are you kidding me? And then the movie then goes into its third act all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's like, this woman is supposed to be the best of the best. Like, she is supposed to be able to, like, undergo severe mental and physical um trauma essentially being in space and yeah and to have her fall apart over john ham i mean like i relate but <laughs> it just is i gotta ask the question to both of you uh because maybe i'll answer too i don't know this is definitely a question uh who would you rather leave for the other john ham or dan stevens oh uh well i gotta be <laughs> honest with you i, I Dan Stevens is really kind of my thing, and all due respect to John Hamm. I love John Hamm too, but I really do have a thing for Dan Stevens. <laughs> this is this is like Sophie's choice for me. <laughs> um, Dan Stevens is like um, just a slice of plain white bread in this movie, but 
that's fine. He would, he would be the one who would treat you right. And yeah. So I feel like, yeah, Dan Stevens. Also, when I, when I answer Dan Stevens, I'm also thinking about Dan Stevens in the guest. So (laughs) (laughs) I I too would choose Dan Stevens, uh, just for those piercing, uh, those piercing eyes. Uh, but the, the, the reason why I also like kind of bring this up too is because, uh, you know, Natalie Portman's character, Lucy Cola, uh, ultimately makes the choice in this movie, uh, for one man over the other. And, uh, in this regard, uh, the two men in this movie, Dan Stevens and John Hamm, they get significant, uh, character development moments on screen. Uh, Zazie Beetz, not so much. Uh, man. Not been a really good uh, week for Zazie Beats, unfortunately. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, depends how you want to look at it in terms of, you know, being a part of a successful movie and all. But in terms of just her and a showcase of her talent, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. She is <sighs> just like I, I, I really, really want someone to utilize her in the same way that, you know, even Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2 gave Zazie Beats a platform to shine and... I'm glad that her career is doing very, very well, you know, but girl, girl's capable of so much more than uh, what we've been getting this year from her. And I'm just very disappointed in how she's being utilized in terms of, um, like I said, the male performances, John Hamm, very, very easy to cast him as the, you know, macho dick <laughs> douchebag. That's not hard to do. And Dan yeah. Stevens as the, you know, sympathetic, nice guy, normal uh, you know, he's, I gotta say, he's got a range, man. Uh, he could do so much, this actor. And, like, I, I mean, you just look at the roles that he's done. He's big, small, whatever. He always does, like, he always just goes for it, you know? Yeah, he's like a really reliable character actor. At yeah. Yeah, I, I always like it when he does show up. And they're both really good in this movie. Uh, the story never really revolves around them. They are no, too... No you know, kind of anchors in her life that she's battling between. And I think that they're good with what they're given, but I think their purpose is also meant to be rather limiting within the story as well. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Because the real focus is obviously Natalie Portman. And, you know, I saw a lot of people at least still singing her praises uh, in terms of, you know, the movie is a bit of a mess, but, you know, she makes it worth watching or, um, you know, as I said in my initial tweet reaction, God bless her for trying, because yeah. in my opinion, this is not one of her best performances. Um, I, I heard I heard a lot of people saying they thought she was really good in this. Um, I wasn't buying it. Yeah, I don't think anybody in this movie was really served well by it. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you have really good actors in this and that they're they're doing their best. But it's just not not the best material for them. I mean, she's capable of doing so much more than than just flying off the handle and just yelling at everybody. I don't know. It's it's not I've seen her do that before in Vox Lux, and that was much better than this. Like I mean, your screenplay is problematic when uh, one of your very first scenes in a movie, you have one character talking to another character, one character is in a wheelchair. And there's a line of dialogue where the person actually stands in front of that person. And it almost came off as like mocking. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, there are just aspects of the screenplay that for me that I was just like kind of reading into as I know you guys are trying to play this seriously right now. But there's a lot of stuff here that needed to be re rethought, redone. Um, Will Mavity the other day was uh, joking with us um, about a line in the dialogue in the movie. Um 
What's the line again? I'm gonna yeah, that that's what it was. Um, all that astronaut dick has made you soft. <laughs> like, what kind of a line is that? You know, but that Classic does happen. Line. But I will say that does happen in the section of the movie where it does start to kind of go off the rails. But to me, I will admit, I did actually find that section of the film engaging because that's when the really crazy filmmaking choices that they were implementing finally started to make sense to me that it matched really her mental state at that point, which was out of control and was frenzied. And I admit, I I think that towards the end of this movie, it does sort of get kind of crazy, but it goes crazy at least in an engaging and entertaining way for me. Whereas before it just was like kind of sluggish and didn't really connect with me. It was unpredictable and definitely, you know, engaging in the sense that I was on the edge of my seat because, you know, you don't know what this character is necessarily going to do at this point because she is just so erratic. Um, So there was a level of engagement there. I will agree with you on that. I I think that just as soon as they said um, that she couldn't hand like control her emotions, I I think that just completely took me out of the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, I, I think I was just so frustrated that this movie with such a interesting concept just boiled everything down to that and then the third act is kind of like the summation of this and like you know well if she can't control her emotions and they're gonna just roam wild this is the result of that and i think you know despite the filmmaking choices despite natalie portman's performance despite everything that was going on to make me engage within that third act i could not wash that stain away yeah it, it does feel a little bit like oh crazy lady on her period you know women Um, at the end, I just, I couldn't get over the, just the leap from where she was to like what she becomes at the end of the film. Like it just felt so fast. And, and for somebody who would had to have had so much self-discipline in her life to completely transition on a dime into this person who's like driving across the country and oh my favorite part of the movie was when she stops at the store and Mm -hmm. she's in like the murder aisle and there's just like knives and rope and a wig (laughs) like that are all just like conveniently stored together Um, here's some bleach (laughs) it's great anyway that's my favorite Uh, part of the movie i think like what was what kept making me laugh even though it's not meant to be funny is that her daughter is with her the entire time. And I just, I was like waiting for her daughter to just be like, mom, like, what are you doing? You know? Um, Cause unfortunately this poor girl is just being brought along for the ride essentially. And yeah, that oh, was ridiculous man. too, because she's just like following her around for the last hour. And then it's just because the grandma told her to watch this one. Yeah. Oh like, my gosh. This is not yeah. a good enough reason to follow your. It's it's her aunt, right? I don't know. Um, oh, is it? I thought I it was her daughter. So. I think it's like her brother's daughter who just is. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, really? Around. It's her niece. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that at all. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I wow, that went completely over my head. Then I did not know that. Yeah, I just bring it up because it makes it even weirder because it's not even like a mother daughter relationship. It's just sort of like the cool aunt. Um and. <laughs> Yeah, she follows her for like a way long time for no good reason. Uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, we mentioned the uh, the grandmother there for a minute um, or or if you're talking from Natalie Portman's perspective, her mother um, played by Ellen Burstyn. It is her mother, right? I'm not going crazy. 
I got all the relationships in this movie all screwed up, apparently. I so. thought that was I her grandmother. I think it's Natalie Portman's grandmother. Okay, fine. Uh, distant relation of <laughs> some sort. <laughs> Not that it matters, really. <laughs> no, because all she does in this is she just plays the uh, grandmother who curses a bit, you know, and, like, doesn't give a fuck about anything. And it's like... Yeah, she's not good in this movie. And I love Ellen Burstyn. I think she can be really great in many things, but this is not a good use of her talent. And I'm sorry, but she also gives a bad performance in this film, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, so um, positives. Any positives? Um, Was there anything, Audrey, for you that, you know, as you were watching, uh, technical, story-wise, anything at all that struck you as a positive? Well, I liked sort of the contemplative parts at the beginning where where she's pushing herself really, really hard to to come to terms with what her life is. And I think that's a part of space exploration and that that isn't really covered as much as like what happens to you when you come back and you're yeah. just stuck and you just want to get back up there, but you can't. Um, I was interested in that. Um, and then it decided to like go on a revenge rampage. Um, but yeah, that and the scene in the, the grocery store were my two like solid points. You, you bring up an interesting uh, point there about how most space movies, I mean, you know, y- y- this could feasibly be a spiritual sequel to Gravity in some way. Yeah. You know, after Gravity ends and Sandra Bullock makes her way back to Earth, like how does she how does she view her whole experience now um what is her life like after going through such an ordeal you know i, I oh man there was such potential for this movie <laughs> such potential it's like stories about people that go off to war and then they come back and have to deal with the modernity of everyday living like the it's themes that we've seen before but certainly there's room to explore them further and especially with a different context like going to space and i agree that those are all very interesting ideas the movie brings up I think, unfortunately, it doesn't really go into them as much as it could. And I think it especially gets di- just gets distracted with the filmmaking behind it. Yeah. And then there's just this romantic interest uh, aspect that is just so messy. Uh, but, Josh, do you have, like, a, a positive to speak to about the film? I mean, I, I do like the last act of the movie. And I think maybe just for me, it does go into, like, crazy campy territory and – while it may not be that congruous with what came before, it is a mode that I just tend to like myself. I get very invested in movies like that. Also felt like she her accent changed at one point. Sound like she was doing a Holly Hunter impression. It was very weird to me. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I don't know. I just kind of got into where it was going a bit crazy, but then it was finally matching what the movie was doing itself on a um, stylistic level for me. Yeah, I would say that I was a fan of the film style until I stopped being a fan of the, of the film itself. And then mm-hmm. at that point, I just couldn't like kind of wrap my mind around anything else that was happening a- after a certain point. Uh, but early on, the film definitely kind of had me and I was really moving along with it and I was on board. I was also digging uh, the score by Jeff Russo as well. I was really, really liking that. So there were some things that I... Like the editing. I really like the editing, actually, in the beginning. I know um, in some cases, maybe some people would find it to be a little uh, jarring, I guess. Um, or I, I don't think it was ever confusing or anything like that. But I don't know. Just like the style was definitely like in the beginning. I was I was with it. 
You know, I know some people couldn't get in groove with it from the very beginning, but I guess maybe because heading in, I knew what to expect. I was, I was there, I was with it. So, but then, you know, just bad writing examples, bad dialogue, underutilization of Zazie Beats, which is like an automatic, like minus in my book nowadays. <laughs> mm-hmm. Portman's, yeah, yeah, Josh, you brought the, you brought up the accent there for a second. And I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because yeah, there were a couple of times where I felt like that slipped. But the stuff where, you know, she's being driven to complete the mission, she's underwater and she, like the helmet fills up with the water and stuff. And like, I don't know, there were some sequences in the movie where I was really, really liking um, the initial digging at the film's central themes. But they just they just didn't dig deep enough. And then, you know, of course, we got to get to the ending. And here we are. So at least she didn't buy diapers. <laughs> you know, I, I got to say. If the film did do that, like, I think I might have liked it more because it just, it would have, it would, no, because it would have, like, tipped into, um, Audrey, did you see Serenity earlier this year with Matthew McConaughey? I didn't, no. Oh, if you want to see a movie that is just beyond ridiculous to the point that it actually becomes enjoyable, watch that. Because <laughs> that's where I thought we were heading with this. <laughs> no, and I, I agree. Like, I think, you know, None of this candy ass, like, ha- like doing it halfway. Buy the diapers. Like, commit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's why, like, a lot of people at TIFF were, like, very disappointed when they found out there wasn't diapers. Because it's like, you're going to make us sit through all this and really do this to these actors and you ain't going to give us diapers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... You know, hey, listen, every now and then everyone has a misfire. It's just a really it's just a shame that Noah Hawley, who, as we said before, has built up a lot of credibility for himself on television. It just sucks that his first film is a misfire. But you know what? I mean, we all know he's going to get another chance, you know? Well, yeah, because he's a dude. (laughs) Exactly. It is what it is. Uh, But we'll see. In any event, uh, final thoughts. Great out of 10. Audrey? I pass it over to you. Do you have any final thoughts on Lucy in the Sky? Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's a chaotic mess, but, like, some people may like that about it, that it is just, like, really bananas. Um, so I guess I give it, like, a 4 out of 10, maybe. Sounds good. I, I can get down with it. Josh Parham, what about you? Uh, well, I do have just one stray observation that I want to bring up, yeah. which is... Why was Nick Offerman in this movie, and why was he in a wheelchair? They don't ever address that, I don't think, in a single line of dialogue. No. Maybe it got edited out. I found that very weird, that not only was he in this movie at all for for such a very small role, but his character was disabled, and there's nothing really made of that, unless it was just that one maybe joke that you mentioned earlier, Matt. I don't know. I found that to be very weird to me. Personally. That would, that would be uh, just, I, I wouldn't know. I, I, I wouldn't know how to comprehend how that makes it through all the different phases of making a movie and finds its way then into the movie. If that was the case. So I want to believe that there's uh, some editing going on and there was maybe some stuff missing to help give a little context to that character. Um, oh. And they just realized that the film didn't need it, which, uh. you know, uh, in my opinion, the film didn't need him. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I hope so. But I mean, overall, I, I still feel like, yeah, this movie is a mess. And it really goes in for choices in terms of filmmaking that I just find very odd that don't really fit the story that well. 
I kind of dig the last act, but I get that that's very polarizing and not everybody's going to agree with it. But I think either way, this film just really feels like it doesn't dig deep enough into the themes that it's working with and gets distracted along the way. And it's not really good, uh, despite some people really kind of coming together. I want to root for Natalie Portman. She's great, but not really in this movie. So I think I'm going to give it a five out of 10. I didn't hate it, but it's certainly not that great. Yeah, I didn't hate this movie. I have a lot to complain about with this movie. And I think a large part of that, it has to do with the fact that it is being released during award season. It was positioned as um, kind of an award season movie in the same way, like I guess the Goldfinch was where, you know, it got to release at TIFF. It's alongside uh, some of the biggest movies of the year. It's got pedigree, you know, in terms of the talent involved. Um, it's got an interesting concept and so on and so forth. It's clearly, I don't think, not a commercial studio film by any means, you no. know. So, uh, yeah, I think in that regard, it's like, you know, you, you, you just end up grading it a little bit harsher maybe than, you know, usual. But I I didn't I didn't actually hate it. I, I just found it to be a very fascinating misfire of a movie um, with elements that I thought were interesting but just didn't come together to form a cohesive whole here. So in that regard, I'm with Audrey. It's it's still negative territory for me, but not like in the, oh my God, this is just so awful. It's like one of the worst movies of the year. I, I'm going to give it a four out of 10 as well. All right. So then that just leaves us with the last uh, bit here, which is, does this movie, movie have any Oscar potential? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty easy, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I even feel like before we even knew what this movie was, the only thing we were really looking at was Natalie Portman. And I feel like that's just because we always look at Natalie Portman, no matter what the project is. So yeah. once the movie wasn't good, then that one little thing that we were even looking at, that's just now gone. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, I think that there is, you know, like I said, I, I think there's a little bit of merit here to what she's doing. Um, she is the lead. And she is pretty much in every single scene of the film here. So in order to keep this from being one of like the year's worst movies, the performance has to have enough strength in it that it, you know, can give some positive notices to the film. So I do think she has her moments in this. It's just inconsistent. That's that's the word I would I would use to best describe it. And she's hindered by bad writing. Most of all, I think that's what lends itself to the inconsistency, if anything. So I would agree with that. Yeah. All right, so we'll we'll chalk it up to that at the end of the day here. Uh, but I I don't think this is well, maybe it will be. I mean, Razzies? Eh, no, nah, I don't think so. No, Razzies they tend to go for stuff that's like really attention grabbing, and nobody's going to remember this movie in a week. <laughs> well, speaking of attention grabbing, I think I'll put a poll up on uh, Twitter: John Hamm or Dan Stevens? You know, if you were Natalie Portman, what would you do? <laughs> Just, <laughs> That was like the only thing that was like on my mind as I was leaving the theater. I was like, man, between John Hamm and Dan Stevens. oof, I don't know. I'm still like (laughs) grappling with my choice. Like, I don't know if I made the right choice. And it's wrong to me. Audrey, thank you so much for joining us here uh, for this review. We really, really love having you on here for the first time. Uh, Tell everyone that's listening where they can find you on where. I guess it is again, where they could find you on the internet. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of reviews up on awardcircuit.com, also on culturess.com. I'm still putting out some stuff from TIFF because I work a full-time job and it's hard to get stuff out on time. Yeah, it is. Um, 
so yeah and i'm on twitter at odd on a mission um that's me so you can find me there awesome thank you so much once again for joining us here josh where can they find you on the internet you can find me on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture, where I will be endlessly wondering why Lucy's last name was Cola in this movie, <laughs> as I don't know a single person in the world with the last name for Cola. Unless if their first name is Coke, Cola, you know. Anyway, bad joke. It could be Pepsi Cola. <laughs> Jeez. One note. It could be Pepsi Cola. <laughs> Oh, man. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.